Good morning. Welcome to our assembly where we promise preaching and teaching from the text of Scripture. The subject is on the screen. Matthew 26, 26 through 29. And then after that, 1 Corinthians 11, 17 through 34. Let's begin with the passage in Matthew 26, 26 through 29. Now, as they were eating, Jesus took bread, and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to the disciples, and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many, for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, beginning with verse 17, <clears throat> reading through to the end of the chapter. But in the following instructions, I do not commend you, because when you come together, it is not for the better, but for the worse. For in the first place, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you, and I believe it in part, for there must be factions among you in order that those who are genuine among you may be recognized." When you come together, it is not the Lord's Supper that you eat. For in eating, each one goes ahead with his own meal. One goes hungry, another gets drunk. What? Do you not have houses to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I commend you in this? No. I will not, for I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself. Then, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup, for... Anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. This is why many of you are weak and ill and some have died. 
But if we judged ourselves truly, we would not be judged. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined so that we may not be condemned along with the world. So then, my brothers, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. If anyone is hungry, let him eat at home, so that when you come together, it will not be for judgment. About the other things, I will give directions when I come. A few minutes ago, we did something we do every first day of the week. I hope it isn't just something we do. Christians participate in the Lord's Supper as disciples did under direction of the apostles on the first day of the week, recorded, for example, in Acts 20 and verse 7. And I am certain that you have heard sermons and class presentations about the Lord's Supper. And I'm also certain that this has such significance. Repetition of this teaching is never a mistake. Let's listen to what the Lord said when this memorial was instituted. And then we're going to engage in some fresh inquiry to enrich our faith and improve our personal spiritual discipline about this memorial feast. Here's the inquiry that comes from the framework of those passages we've read. What is in the Lord's Supper for our memory and personal attention? What is in the Lord's Supper for our memory and personal attention? And this will lead to my application question. Is your life consistent with your communion? We'll deal with those matters. Let's start with Thanksgiving. It says here, when the Lord had given thanks. I don't think we should see this as some mere formality or ritual. I know that in our homes, before we consume a physical meal, there is the habit of saying thanks. If we are sincere and thoughtful, there is great value in that. Sometimes it is simply words we say quickly before we eat. We acknowledge the divine source of our nourishment. We express praise and gratitude as quickly as we can, maybe repeating the same words we've used before, sometimes without good thought about gratitude to God for what we have. But here in Matthew 26, we're not talking about lunch or dinner or a physical meal to nourish the body. This is the Lord's Supper, and it contains this statement of gratitude that is about more than a sandwich or a bowl of soup. Jesus not only gave thanks and illustrated gratitude 
in the context of that supper in Matthew 26, Jesus gave his life, which should enrich and inspire within us the strongest kind of gratitude we could have toward the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit for revealing what Jesus went through for us. See, the theme of the thanksgiving that we offer at the table is the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ with emphasis on what He did for us. That we can leave sin and become children of God. This is not thanksgiving that goes through a list of all the things we have or all the things we want. The thanksgiving that we do around the table about the Lord's Supper is thanksgiving that is specific to what Jesus did that we can live a full life with God and go to heaven. It is specific, joyful thanksgiving, adoring praise for God and the Savior who was sent to bear our sins. I think it is good to stress that this is the Lord's Supper. Let's think for a few, few moments by putting stress on ownership. In 1 Corinthians eleven twenty, Paul refers to this as the Lord's Supper. It uniquely belongs to Christ who instituted it. Therefore, it is not ours to forget, dismiss, change, adapt, or revise. And I'm not talking here about the expedients or the incidentals like what time, how the elements are distributed. I'm talking about the essence of this memorial feast. It is the Lord's. He gave it. It is His. He owns it. From time to time, you may hear voices of change recommending we revise this so it will be better accepted by the public. But it's not about the public. It's about the Lord and what He gave for us to remember Him. If it is His, it belongs to Him. And that truth removes any grounds we might ever attempt about revision or change or omission. We know this, if God has given something for us to do, we are limited to what He has said about it. In this case, the Lord's Supper should be observed in keeping with everything the Lord has said about it without interference or reinvention by man. Second, it is not an event to entertain or cater to the desires of men and women or be attractive to people in a marketing standpoint. Here's the problem with modern religion, folks. An effort to cater to the religious marketplace, to compete, to compromise, to make things attractive to people who are out there. We cannot follow that trend. In worship, and in the Lord's Supper in particular, God is the audience. We engage in this memorial not to entertain, 
not to please somebody next to us, but to remember what the Lord did and be thankful and praiseworthy of God for the plan of salvation. The Lord's Supper also involves sharing. Listen to Paul in 1 Corinthians 10, 16. The cup of blessing that we bless, is it not a participation in the body of Christ? The bread that we break, is it not a participation in the body of Christ? And the very next verse says, there are many who are one in this act of worship. There is a unity about it. We are one with Him and one with each other faithful people of God who share and participate in this memorial feast. Hence the word communion. Is your life connected to and consistent with your communion? Obviously, it is remembering. Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. That simply means our present serious thought grounded in a past historical event. But it's more than just a history lesson that forms a mental picture of Jesus on the cross. It is remembering why he was there. It is remembering what God did in His grace and what Jesus did to execute that plan to get us out of the mess our sin gets us into. It is grateful memory that seeks to realize what a price was paid for us to be saved. It is not just a brief snapshot in our minds of a cross on a hill. It is thoughtful recall of what Jesus did and what that means for us today. Is your life consistent with your communion? It is proclaiming. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until He comes. The Lord's Supper not only brings the past into present consciousness, it also proclaims the past in present consciousness and continues that weekly proclamation every first day of the week until He comes. So two events come together when we partake. The death of Christ, we remember, reflecting on what that means for us personally, and the second coming of Christ and reflecting on what that could mean for us personally. The crucified and risen Christ is a guarantee of a future fellowship yet to be enjoyed by God's people. I want to say a little more about this next aspect of the supper. 
It reflects our covenant relationship with God and therefore means, as Paul said, let a man examine himself. Matthew records these words of the Lord. This is the blood of the covenant. Most translations, the blood of the New Testament. The Old Testament Passover feast was about the Old Covenant and the history of the Jewish nation. The Lord's Supper that we observe connects us with the New Covenant, the New Testament. So in order for the Lord's Supper to have its intended meaning for you, you need to be a participant in the New Covenant. You become a participant in the New Covenant when you're baptized into Christ. You remain a participant in the New Covenant when you continue to walk in newness of life. If you're not connected to the New Covenant, then this communion doesn't pertain to you. Because, listen again to Jesus, this is the blood of the Covenant. Not the Old Covenant, the New Covenant. The Old Testament Passover feast was about the Jews in the Old Covenant and their history. The Lord's Supper we observe weekly is for covenant people. People who are connected with, aligned with, participants in the New Covenant. Consider all these lessons contained in this memorial feast that we've reviewed already. Thanksgiving, sharing, remembering, proclaiming, being united with God through the new covenant. This is for new covenant people who examine themselves. I'm going to go back to 1 Corinthians 11 and pick up verses 27 through 32. 27 through 32. Listen with extreme care. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of this Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For Anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. This is why many of you are weak and ill and some have died. But if we judged ourselves truly, we would not be judged. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined so that we may not be condemned along with the world. I want to talk to you about that part of this for a few minutes. The Lord's Supper is for Christians. New Covenant people. If you're not a Christian according to the New Testament, the New Covenant, if you're not a baptized believer, that's what you need to do first. But you don't do that just so you can take the Lord's Supper. You do that as your exit out of sin and your entrance into fellowship with God through Christ, then the Lord's Supper becomes meaningful to you as you examine yourself and participate faithfully on a weekly basis. 
if your life isn't right with God, a little grape juice and unleavened bread will not change that. If you do not attend to the will of God in your daily life, what's in that plastic package will be of no benefit. If you are not compliant with all that is said about this memorial feast and who this feast is for, if, you, if you're not careful, you can eat and drink judgment to yourself. This is what Paul says in this passage. So if you're not a baptized believer, you need to engage in that initial response. If you haven't been faithful to God, you need to get faithful with God through repentance. You need to obey the gospel initially and then thereafter in order for this feast to have any meaning for you. If you've been baptized but you have not been living faithfully, you had not been involved... You need to take care of that in order for this feast to be a valid part of your worship and life. And here's what we need to say. Taking the Lord's Supper is not atonement that covers your unfaithfulness in the past or that absolves you of any guilt of future sin. It doesn't grant you permission to not acknowledge what's wrong in your life. The Lord's Supper is not repentance. It isn't a sacrament that cleans your slate and makes everything all right so that Monday you can just go back to living the way you lived before. But then when, when Saturday night comes, you can go party. Then Sunday morning, that grape juice and bread, I'm okay. No. Nothing in the New Testament comes close to that concept. This is a memorial feast to be observed by baptized believers who partake with sober awareness of the cross and with personal self-examination. Paul is writing to Christians, people who had been baptized and in Corinth needed stern correction about their lives and their worship. Finally, I want to say this to every Christian here. Throughout the week when you are tempted, when you're beginning to lose your awareness of relationship with God, when you begin to falter in your responsibilities about attitude, when you're tempted during the week, remember what you remembered on the Lord's Day. Remember what you remembered on the Lord's Day. When you were tempted to become a slave to money and things and to define yourself by what you have and to let covetousness, which is idolatry, move you away from God, remember what you remembered, and who you communed with the previous Lord's Day. When you're tempted to reason from situations to justify disobedience, 
to let your commitment slip toward indifference and neglect worship. When that temptation approaches, remember what you remembered and who you communed with on the Lord's Day. When work and career obligations consume you and increase and the pressure is on to neglect your Lord and your family and become absorbed in advancement, remember what you remembered and who you communed with on the Lord's Day. When disagreement and conflict wears against your goodwill and leads you toward anger, remember what you remembered and who you communed with on the Lord's Day. When you feel the pull of secular decadence and you're beginning to fall in love with the world and the things of the world, remember what you remembered on the Lord's Day and who you communed with. You see, God wants our hearts not just for five minutes on a Sunday. Is your life consistent with your communion? I hope what I presented from Scripture will help each of us next Lord's Day morning and every time after and before to remember who died for us. Let's be standing as we sing.